Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It's 300,000 jobs, 311,000, beating the estimate by almost 100,000. Everything is absolutely terrific. The birds are singing. Your 401k just went up 9 million percent. My gosh, it's a dream come true. Thanks, Joe Biden. Wait, is that not it? I, I, I was told that was, that was it. Hold on, is that not actually what happened? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the jobs number is correct. The jobs number is is indeed correct, but um, but as for you know everything being great and and the economy being world class, well, that's that's something that's completely completely different. How much you can save on electricity? What this is year? playing then right there? You see what happens when I come into the studio? It's all just a mess. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Unemployment rate up to 3.6%, guys. 311,000 jobs. 311,000 jobs. That is way more than expected. The forecast was for like 210. I mean, it's crazy. It's such a huge miss. But what are we supposed to take? from the report if the report is so terrific why is the dow down about 100 right now it could have something to do with a bank shutdown right now silicon valley bank has been shut down by regulators and the fdic to protect insured deposits it's been a long time since anybody has talked about Bank shutdowns. California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation closed the bank, naming the FDIC as the receiver. Why Why did it happen? What, what went on? I mean, there's going to be a real conversation about this. At the end of December, uh, Silicon Valley Bank had roughly $209 billion in assets and $175 billion in total deposits. The FDIC will um, cover up to $250,000 per CNBC for each depositor per bank. The shares fell 60% on Thursday, dropped another percent and 60, another 60% in the pre-market before being halted. Is this the sign of, um, you know what, things aren't all right? Maybe some banks can't handle some stress tests. Maybe some bad things are on their way or or we're already dealing with. It's possible. I'm not saying it's probable. I'm not saying that this this bank closure has anything to do with anything else. I'm just saying it's the kind of thing that rattles. But when you take a look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, you take a look at these numbers, you realize that where you see the growth is in that hospitality sector. The hospitality numbers are big. I think it's over 100,000 jobs. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because we're also seeing a big drop in the world of tech. When you take a look at uh, information, the information industry, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, it lost 25,000 jobs. 
Um, jobs have decreased in telecommunications, 3,000. Uh, jobs and information have decreased by 54,000 54, jobs since November of 2022. You know this when you take a, a look at, for, for example, uh, the job cuts that have taken place in Microsoft, Amazon, name the tech company. Yet you see retail trade employment up 50,000 and leisure and hospitality up 105,000. Follow me on something here. You have people who lost their tech job and there really isn't another tech job available. So what do those people do? They say, you know what? I can't find another tech job. I'll bartend, I'll be a waiter, I'll work at this place, I'll do that, and then jobs open up and then I'll go back to it. Would make perfect sense. That the jobs that are coming online aren't actually for the jobs. They're for the moment of holdover until the job that those people are looking for is available when those types of companies hire again because they're not hiring right now. They're letting people go, they're shedding right now. They're rethinking the entirety of their operations right now. That's what they are doing. So this number is a, a bit problematic. It doesn't say what it says. You will never get me not to cheer job growth. I put forth to you that this isn't actually job growth. You grew jobs, but it's not job growth. But whatever you do, don't tell Joe Biden that. Look, uh, I think we've got a good jobs report. I'm happy to report that our economy has created over three 100,000 new jobs last month, and that's on top of a half a million jobs we added the month before. All told, we've created more than 12,000, 12,000 jobs since they took office, nearly 8,000 of the manufacturing jobs. That means overall, we've created more jobs in two years than any administration has created in the first four years. And uh, I think all this matters. It's no accident. It means our, our economic plan is working. And uh, when I took office, the recovery and the economy was, there was no recovery and the economy was reeling. And the 18 million people were unemployed on unemployment insurance compared to less than 2 million today. Unemployment was 6.3% and nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office predicted it wouldn't get below 4% until 2026. Because of our economic plan, unemployment has been below 4% for 14 straight months. <sighs> his economic plan. He really believes this. Nah, he doesn't. It's just something to say. We still are not at the place where we have recovered the jobs. You understand this, correct? We have not yet recovered the jobs that we lost during COVID. Employment in leisure and hospitality, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, is below its pre-pandemic February 2020 level by 410,000 or 2.4%. 
That's just that sector. Now, this is where it gets more problematic. Let's make an argument. For, for lack of a better word, we'll make an argument. We're friends. We're having a bourbon. We're, we're playing pretend, right? It's like playing dress up, but nobody has to wear the gimp mask. Let's pretend that I'm right in my theory that the 105,000 jobs added in leisure and hospitality come from people who are not necessarily in leisure and hospitality, but were let go from the tech sector. A sector leisure and hospitality is still 400,000 jobs below the pre-pandemic level. Now, we should ask ourselves why that is. Well, it's because nobody wants to do those jobs. Possibly. They found other things to do. What if it is because those jobs don't exist anymore? That those jobs were lost when you shut down bars and restaurants all across America for COVID, like a bunch of freaks. The people who engaged in shutdowns should always know how wrong they were, and they should never, ever, ever be left off the hook. If you shut, if you said, hey, everybody, we got to shut down for two weeks, everybody, everybody will forgive you. Even people like me who said, hey, don't shut down, will forgive you. You shut somebody down for two years, you're awful. You're just absolutely, positively awful. And you never deserve a second chance. If you told people, get vaccinated, you can't have a job, sorry. Don't ever think that you, you, the people who you employ love you. They, 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 they do not. They uh, in no way love you whatsoever. Going back to, to, to the jobs numbers, bars and restaurants shut down. Those jobs are gone. You can't bring them back. But you still have an entire sector that can't find people. So what happens if you're 410,000 jobs below the pre-pandemic February 2020 level and you just added 110,000 jobs, I'm sorry, 105,000 jobs, and many of them were people from the tech sector who had lost their gig. When those jobs come back, whoop, there they go to the tech sector. My gosh, how are you going to get a slice of pizza again? Who's going to serve you at Applebee's? I'm not, I'm not asking a question in the ether. I'm asking the most basic everyday questions about the everyday life that we all want to live, that we all want to lead. How many times have you been in a place with your kid and you're like, or, or maybe you're not with your kid. Let's say you're with your kid. You're like, gosh, the service is awful. How many times do you find yourself putting up with service that is so subpar, you know that it's wrong? You know you shouldn't have to put up with this. Well, that employer can't find anyone. That employer cannot find anyone to work and so they do what they can and some people can do the job and some people clearly can't but you can't move those people out because if you don't have them at least doing the basics you can't be open at all so what happens when these people from the tech sector move out all i see is a further problem and that what we're seeing now is a band-aid 
to the problem that there are going to be industries that are going to have to rethink, they're going to have to rebuild, and some of them are going to have to go away. Certainly their expansion plans are going to go away. And when you take a look at Biden's budget, best of luck with expansion at all. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, he's going to break down that Biden budget with us and doesn't have a chance of seeing the light of day. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. We'll be right back. So Joe Biden went about trying to pitch his budget, and I got to tell you, Joe Biden is so often the gift that keeps on giving. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, because, you know, people often say to me, wow, Tony, man, you, you, you're certainly not running out of material to talk about. And I keep reminding people, I am not paid nearly enough. That is what I really remind people of. But I am not paid for what I talk about. I'm paid for what I do not talk about. I'm paid for knowing uh, the, 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 the difference uh, between what should get discussed and what needs to be left alone. And uh, there is certainly some good Joe Biden stuff that needs to get discussed uh, right here. Do I, do I, do I have it? Wait, is that it? Yeah, that's it right there. I think I've got this right. This is my sounder, isn't it? Harris-Biden administration. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the, go, you know the, you know the thing. Say it ain't so, Joe. But it is. But it is. And this was just beautiful. Tell me this is the guy that the Democrats are going to so joyfully back in 2024. So they could pay employees. They could do the. But guess what? You may remember I was running for office at the time, but you all may remember it, that the, I had a big fight with uh, the former president. Uh, and maybe future president. Bless me, Father. Anyway, no, all, 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 all kidding aside. And here's the deal. Yeah, here, here's, here's the deal. That's your Trump reference? Good Lord. And a bless me, Father? What are you, Hugo Chavez, talking about George Bush? I smell the sulfur, referring to George Bush as Satan. Joe Biden is the gift, man. Tell me more about how he's the great uniter. He is just super. And then, of course, you know all you MAGA folk want to defund the police or something. And so, folks, look. MAGA Republicans are calling for defunding the police departments and defunding the FBI now. That's a good one. I like that one. Well, guess what? And they refuse to provide funding that's going to keep communities safe and secure. We talk about, health, about crime. Well, it's outright. My budget invests in public safety. It includes funding for more training, more support for law enforcement at a time when they expect to pay, play many roles. Being opposed to your budget doesn't mean that Republicans 
want to uh, defund the police. Do you know how ridiculous you are? This is everything we hate. Joe Biden's a dope. And, and, and it's, it's not even funny to say that, right? It's just such, such low-hanging fruit. It is such radical, easy pickings. But holy crap balls. This is your argument? Trump may be the future president. Bless us, Father. Calling the man Satan, not necessarily unity. And then making a claim that's based on your budget that absolutely won't go anywhere. Democrats aren't going to vote for your budget. He's a gift. He is a treat. He is an absolute treat. And, and this is the guy that Democrats are just, they're, they're 100% behind. They are 100% behind. I mean, they, they have to be. As I've said, this is acceptance. They don't have anybody else, do they? Have you spoken to the president about this? And how close is he to making a final decision? You will know when he makes it. <laughs> but I will tell you in all seriousness, the president has said he intends to run. And if he runs, I'll be running with him. Are you, are you sure? Are, are you able to make sure? Are, 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 you, are you really, really sure that you're going to be running with him? Now, if I'm being asked, if, if we're taking betting odds, I would say that the odds are far less than 50%. That Joe Biden changes Kamala Harris, that he changes the vice presidential ticket, because he doesn't have a clear winner. Pete Buttigieg is not a clear winner. Pete Buttigieg is a loser. Uh, he wants to find another black woman. Well, he should have picked Val Demings from the beginning. He'd have better opportunities. And now, because of her loss to Marco Rubio in that Senate race, she's damaged. Elizabeth Warren? <laughs> I don't know how to make the smoke signals for no, but let's call it a no. There's no one. So, yes, I agree that if he does run, which I believe he will, she will be running with him. Because there is no one else. I mean, I, I get it. Marianne Williamson is, is running. But crystals will only take you so far in this party that demands fealty to the progressive ideology. There's no one else. No one. Very important to note. Uh, but getting back to this budget, there really is a lot in it. And the budget is an example of values that the political left holds. It is these values that really in the days and weeks ahead have to be discussed and whether or not they are the values of you, me, and we. Are they really the values of the American way? It's a question that I look forward to answering for you. Meantime, Dr. Matt Will, he was jet set. He was actually traveling, but I was able to catch up with him in an airport. The Economist, University of Indianapolis, and we broke this down. That is up next. This is Tony Katz Today. 
And that would bring us to down to everyday cost. How much do things cost? Not just whether inflation. We brought down inflation seven months in a row. We're going to whip it. But we brought down inflation seven months in a row. Says President Biden yesterday as he's announcing his budget, a budget that is filled with tax increases and the claim that there will be a $3 trillion reduction in the deficit over the next decade. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis. He's traveling. He's actually in the Vancouver airport. As we're speaking, you can hear overhead, they're telling him where to go for his luggage. And I got to tell you, this this comes out, this, this, this all comes out about his budget. The stock market falls apart down over 500 points it went yesterday. Um, there is a lot to this budget that leaves a tremendous amount of questions. And it starts with the first one. This make any sense to you? Tony, it, the budget makes complete sense to me, but it doesn't. It's not consistent with what the president was saying. I'm going to call this the big lie. I mean, that's what he's doing with this budget. And Tony, I got to say, your sound clip was perfect because you got to remember, the president first created this hyperinflation that we experienced, and then he brags about the fact that it's now in you know lower than he created it. It's still way too high, Tony. But first, he jacks it up super high. Then it comes down a little bit. Tony, last year, he spent so much money. We had a $1.4 trillion deficit, $1.4 trillion in one year, Tony. Oh, and now he says he's going to reduce it over 10 years. Tony, it's the same kind of lie that we've seen before from this guy. So talk to me about what is in here, because he clearly is saying that, hey, if you make over $400,000 a year, you don't deserve it. This whole conversation of fair share is really playing out here, and it plays in two parts. It, well, actually three. A conversation about increasing Medicare taxes, a conversation about tax increases on people who make over 400000 and then a conversation about capital gains and corporate taxes. So let's start with the Medicare piece uh, that he wants uh, to increase. This is a small increase from 3.8% to 5%. Uh, is this going to solve our Medicare woes? Tony, first of all, it's, it's not a small increase. Think about it. Your income taxes are going up from about 38 to 5%. I'm talking about Tony, compared to the small. other stuff, Dr. Will. Compared to the other stuff, it's the small increase. <laughs> there's, there's, there's increases across the board, Tony. So, no, by the way, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security are transfer payments. There is no bucket of money sitting around. It's, a, it's, it's all paper magic. That's all it is. There's a bucket of money that comes in. There's a bucket of money that goes out. And if anybody thinks there's a savings account somewhere for Medicare or for Social Security, they're just wrong. There isn't a, there isn't a bucket of money sitting somewhere. So it doesn't fix anything, Tony. In fact, let me tell you how much it doesn't fix anything. You know, we'll get to the taxes in a moment, but the deficit last year, $1.4 trillion. This guy who's supposedly decreasing it, this year it's going to be $1.6 trillion, and next year it's going to be $1.8 trillion. Tony, let's just look at this. $1.8 is bigger than $1.4. Everybody should write that down. 
1.8 is bigger than 1.4. So somebody needs to tell me how he's cutting the deficit, and I'll explain to you what he's doing. What so no, is. but 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 do it because it 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 is so much so a a shell game of how you want to manipulate a number. If there if you say there's going to be some some less spending, you can argue that that you're cutting, can't you? Tony, it, it, there is no less spending. See, that's the whole point. It is the big lie, and the media is complicit in the lie. Because let me explain how he gets $3 trillion over 10 years. He's comparing it to his budget from last year, Tony. He's looking at the, the significant increase he had last year, and the significant increase he has this year is smaller. Tony, in his budget, we go from a $9 trillion, $19 trillion debt to $44 trillion. Tony, let me say that again. We go from $19 trillion in debt to $44 trillion in debt in his budget. So I guess, Tony, we would have went to 47 if it weren't for him. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Uh, let's get into that part two. There is a raise in income taxes going back up to those to the to the 39.8 percent number. Uh, or, or, or I, wait, is that where it is in the income tax? Or am I thinking about the corporate gains tax? That, that's where it's going to go. That's where it's going to go to 39 percent. Correct. Okay, so that increases on people who make over $400,000 a year. Uh, do you believe that it's only going to be that level of income? Okay, Tony, first of all, I don't believe it, and I'll show you a whole list of other taxes that hit every single person out there, all the way down to grandma who's living on a fixed income. Yes, in theory, this is only going to be on 39. But, Tony, can we trust him? Let me, let me ask you if we can trust him. And, and i got to give you an example, so give me a minute to explain this. Sure. Last year, he successfully passed a 1% tax on any stock buybacks. So if grandma sells some stock to live to buy cat food and, and play bingo at church, she had to pay a 1% penalty. And he said last year that would be a one-time only. We would never do it again. This is a stopgap measure. We want to get some money into the Treasury. Tony, this year he wants to increase grandma's tax to 3%. Tony, he's lied. He wants to increase it from 1% to 3%. So do you believe that this would be a, a tax only on people making 400000 And it no. doesn't, Tony, because it has to do with small businesses as well. Now, so wait a, a second. More to it than what he's saying. I want to make sure I understand what you're saying there, because you're talking about if grandma sells stock. There's also a conversation on corporate stock buybacks that he wants to go That's from the is. 1% to the 4%. Uh, the 1% came part of the Inflation Reduction Act, which doesn't reduce inflation. Are we talking about the same thing? Yes, that is the same thing. That is exactly it. But the reason it's called a stock buyback, Tony, and, and this, it's, it's kind of complicated, but companies can give you their profits two ways. They can send you a dividend check or they can buy back stock. Companies do both, and, and we won't get into why they do one or the other. That's a long discussion. But they're just buying back the stock from grandma or they're paying her a dividend. Either way, she's paying this tax. It was Rashida Tlaib who was uh, asking the, the, the questions, and she was trying to get Jerome Powell um, to... Well, let me play it for you, and you tell me what you take from this. Thank you so much, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Chair Powell, for being here. Uh, you have a lot of economic, you know, pro, uh, projections, economic projections, uh, various data, um, various uh, reports that are coming out. How much, and you've studied inflation, right? I mean, obviously, it's your number one priority right now. How much is 
inflation impacted by these three things, corporate profiteering, executive, egregious executive pay, and the use of share, you know, stock buybacks. So she in- invents these things which are progressive talking points. Uh, but if you're saying that the corporate buyback, the stock buyback, is the way someone like grandma can continue to survive as her age progresses, you have a representative here, Rashida Tlaib, who says that's a bad thing. How do you respond to her? Tony, she's ignorant. She is clueless. A company makes profits. They can either pay it out as a dividend, or they can buy back stock. It's simple as that. And a lot of retirees have stock, and that's how they live, Tony. And the companies have stock splits, and the, comp- and the individuals sell their stock back to the company. Tony, this is not the owner of the, this is not the CEO of the company selling stock to the company or back to the company. That's not what's happening. This is the average shareholder who's got a retirement plan, a pension plan, a mutual fund. They're the ones who get that money. They're the ones who are paying that tax. She is factually wrong. Let's now move it to this capital gains conversation. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, in travels right now at the Vancouver International Airport. That's You hear the overhead uh, speaking uh, a bit behind him. Increasing the capital gains tax from 20% to 39.6% on households earning more than $1 million a year. Your take. Okay. Again, a little bit complication. First of all, it's just a money grab. But let me tell you what that does. It messes up the incentives for business. Because the 2017 tax code removed the incentives for a company to borrow money. There's a, there's a reason why. There's tax deductibility. There's all these reasons why it's good for companies to borrow money. They removed it. This is going to reinstate the incentive for companies to borrow money. It's going to reinstate the, the incentive for companies to leverage up and borrow money and put their companies at risk. This change would incentivize bad behavior by companies. How does it do that? Because it's going to it's going to make something tax deductible and when you increase the tax rate on something that's equity investment, they're going to want to go over to debt investments. Capital gains are go to shareholders. Shareholders pay that, Tony. A shareholder pays the capital gains tax. So if that goes up, the company's going to say, "Well, we don't want to have shareholders. Instead, we're just going to borrow money. We're going to leverage our company." So it's better off for them to take the debt on than to have to deal with the tax side uh, with, with more people buying their stock. Yes, it, it, there's, there's a formula involved because you pay capital gains tax, ordinary income tax, and corporate taxes. And there's a formula for says, how do we maximize the cash in our pocket? And this change would say, hey, you're going to maximize the cash in your pocket by borrowing money. That is a, not a good incentive. The how, tax code was rewritten by smart people in 2017 to remove that incentive. So how does this, um, how, how does it play out? How are these businesses now at risk? Or, or may, maybe better said, what does this risk do to the inflationary world that we have, where we have people like former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers and others really discussing the idea that we're going to hit recession in order to bring down this inflation? Does it make that continue to grow does this lead us into a further stagflation conversation can or does or does this have no effect on those other properties other other ideas it has tony has a huge effect in fact that's why the market dropped 500 points yesterday because first we had jerome powell saying hey inflation's not dead we're going to have to get tougher and then biden comes out and says hey 
We're going to spend a lot more money. And so remember the battle we keep talking about, Tony, between Biden wanting to spend money and cause inflation and Powell trying to stop it? Well, one-two punch, Biden says spend, spend, spend. And so he's trying to create more inflation. Tony, every, even the most liberal economist in the world says this is not the time in an economic cycle to spend more money. There is an argument that increasing taxes could actually help with inflation because it takes money out of the economy. We've actually discussed it on the air. One of the things Joe Biden is proposing, a 25% minimum tax rate for U.S. households worth more than $100 million. Now, these people are already paying taxes. How does this apply differently than the progressive tax rate that we have that would put you at 39.7%? Tony, that is something that we do not know, because that is going to be done, like Nancy Pelosi says, first you pass the bill, then you read what's in it. That's going to be in the rulemaking stage. Nobody can figure out, Tony, how they're going to charge a 25% tax on people that are already paying tax on income and already pay a capital gains tax. This is going to be a minimum tax, Tony. What are they going to tax about? My guess, Tony, ready for this? My guess is going to be a wealth tax. That's how I think it's going to be played out. I think this 25% is going to be a wealth tax. So the government is going to come in, and if you're rich, they're just going to confiscate your wealth. So this entire conversation, as as we take a, a look at this budget, one of the things that we accept is, okay, Joe Biden, Democrat, puts out this budget. I have seen presidential budgets get zero votes. Barack Obama When he was president of the United States, his budget at times got zero votes. The Republicans control the purse strings. They control the House of Representatives. And the only thing I think they're going to like from this budget is an increase in military spending. It'll be the largest amount of peacetime military spending in our history. Republicans are going to respond to this by doing what? Tony, it's dead on arrival. It's dead on arrival. And by the way, don't get too excited about the military spending increase. It's a 3.8% increase. Yes, on a dollar basis, it's the biggest, but it's not even close to what we've increased spending before, especially during the Cold War of the 80s. So on a percentage basis, it's not that big of a jump. But on a dollar basis, of course, it's huge. You know, I'm I'm one of the people who takes a look at the idea that he's at least recognized and maybe some Democrats have recognized that we are on a war footing when we talk about uh, China and their and their aggression and their their stealing of, of intellectual property. So I am pleased by this, like I'm pleased about the sale of submarines to Australia and the possibility of building submarines also in Australia, which is is easier than to deploy to the areas where it's going to be needed. So I'm I'm. I'm happy uh, in a sense that he, he's at least thinking about these things. I, I, what can I say? I'm a glass half full kind of guy. But in your take, if this is dead on arrival, why in the world would the markets respond with such negativity? Well, because, Tony, this is what he is fighting for. And so the, the market, remember, the market is very short-sighted. So they see the proposal, they react to the proposal. They'll calm down. They'll calm down. And if no other bad news comes out, today will be more mild. Today will be a day where probably the market might even go up. But no, they react to what they see, Tony. And they see this, they read this, and said this is a disaster. Hopefully it doesn't pass. Now, my dead on arrival is a guess. I'm not the political science expert. I would defer to you on whether this thing has any. It's dead on arrival. 
but the idea okay. that he's pushing it means how they're going to utilize this as an attack vehicle heading into 2024. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, safe travels to you uh, there, and uh, we'll talk to you when you return. I appreciate it. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Chaim Topol has passed away, and you know that I'm actually Jewish because I could say Chaim and not, you know, lose my voice. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. We're talking about the man uh, who was the lead in Fiddler on the Roof. We're talking about the guy, the guy who played Tevye. Wait, did he pass away? Was he 89? Because like, if you had asked me, I would have long ago said 87. I would have long ago said that he was dead. Like, it just would not have been a name that would have come to me like, oh, yeah, still around, hanging out in Tel Aviv, eating, you know, enjoying some falafel and, and the tourists. Would not have been it. By the way, when I'm in Israel, I do enjoy the falafel. It's been too long. I look forward to getting back. Um, but you want to talk about iconic. Maybe... Maybe for a certain set of people, an iconic actor, but just as as far as movies and parts go, you got to put Tevye in the top one hundred of of all movies of all time. That part, if I were a rich man, uh, you it's 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 there. I don't think it's top ten, but it's easily top one hundred. And I could argue, I could argue that it's top fifty. I I can make that argument pretty dang. Pretty dang good. 87. I only hope it was a happy and healthy life. I only hope to get there myself. And then another 30 years after that. Why not? And if you ask me, why do you want to live so long? I just want to see what happens next. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz.